They were thinking about their own ways and their own will. They were not thinking about the will of God and his ways. We're talking about the disciples of Jesus Christ. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. As we focus today on Matthew chapter 24, this, this is an amazing chapter, it really is. We're going to focus on this in a unique way, so stay there as we discuss this in about three minutes' time. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? Well, for the rest of the week, I'm going to be focusing in on Jesus' death and resurrection. So on the table today is Roman crucifixion. Ryan? All right, so have you ever wondered how a God the Bible calls loving and merciful could order the complete annihilation of certain people groups? Well, this is what I'm going to be dealing with today on the program. That's very interesting, Ryan. Very interesting, Janice. Today, my segment is We Know Before. All right. All of this is coming your way, so stay there. Let's open up our Bible and listen to what the Lord is saying to us right now. Matthew 24, 1 through 14. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Matthew chapter 24 Verses 1 through 14. Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25. You know, while Jesus' life and teachings have already come to earth and so been revealed to us, there's still a part of Jesus that hasn't come to full fruition yet. One day, human hearts and actions will be judged by him. Now, Revelation chapter 19, this is how we know about it, talks about Jesus bringing the wrath 
and judgment of God to the people of the earth. Still to come. It says, now I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and righteousness. He judges and makes war. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Now this is much different, a much different picture than Jesus Christ's first mission to the earth painted for us, isn't it? Right now, we live in a time of grace. God is allowing those of us who will come to him to come to him. Eventually, though, this time of grace will be over and the time of God's judgment and new creation will come. True Christ followers will not suffer the wrath of God's revelation. Remember, Revelation 19 speaks of that. But listen to this. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. That's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 9 and 10. We'll get to it. Amazing things that we can thank God for. And that's why we praise God on a regular basis because he has done so much for us already. A lot of people say, count your blessings, count them one by one, not thinking that their blessings are already done. I have eternal life. I'm a Christian. Many Christians who are listening to me have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Praise God. That's amazing. He's already done amazing things for us. There's so much in eternity. You can read 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and read about that. But let's get back to the subject today. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage, Jesus on the end. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about that famous passage of Matthew 24 that everybody talks about. Jesus speaking about the end of time. If you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the page and it'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for donations. It'll take you to a page where you can download it. Just like we have it printed, so make sure that you get to it. But we need to pray and ask the Lord to speak to us from his, from what he said. Father, help us today as we read this, as we listen to it, we're listening to you. You're speaking to us. Actually, you're talking to us. So help us to hear that Holy Spirit and help us to keep that in our hearts. Help us to know your ways and show us your paths. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen and amen. Now, with that in mind, let's go to the first couple of verses because this is interesting. Matthew 24, 1 to 2. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. They were proud. And Jesus said, here's what Jesus responds to. Jesus said to him, do you not see all of these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. What? What? You see, the disciples of Jesus were not thinking of God's will, but they were thinking of their own. Beloved, we should always check ourselves when we consider what's happening in this world. I believe that we need to pray and ask God to keep our perspective right, to keep our image of the world that we're seeing in the right context. Many people are mis 
misguided because their, their timing is off. There will come a time when we as the fighters for Jesus Christ will follow him, Revelation 19, and we will provide judgment. But not now. Now is the time of inviting people in. So if you're not a Christian, I invite you to join Jesus Christ now. You don't have to call an 800 number, give an offering or anything. Pray and the Lord will speak to you. Be serious about it. Very important. All right, let's go on to the next scripture because it's interesting. Verse three. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Lord, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, Jesus said that wars and rumors of wars are part of the end. We should learn to trust in God alone. I, I can say this because there was a time when I said this and it seemed crazy. Are there wars? Are there rumors of wars? The answer to both of those questions is yes. Beloved, this is the time of the end. We have to pay attention because God is doing some amazing things. And if we trust in him alone, he will protect us. He will help us to sift through all this vile stuff. God will help his people in this time. Come to Jesus. Matthew 24, 7 to 14 says, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of, beginning, beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness, which will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Jesus said that his message of hope will be spoken all over the world. Beloved, we should seek to tell others about Christ everywhere in the world. So, Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He wasn't guilty of sin. He was fully God and fully man. But something happened on the third day after he was dead. He rose from the dead in the flesh, seen by over 500 men. Nobody's done that. And Jesus Christ said, Go tell the world about me. And if you invite him and identify with him, because he ascended to heaven, he's at the right hand of the Father. If you invite Jesus into your life, he will save you. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I know you died on the cross, and I know you rose again in the flesh. 
come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you clap and when you get excited, you are celebrating life. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ gave us life. But he promised that the Holy Spirit would be sent. Okay, so today we read Matthew's chapter 24 and 25, and Jesus makes reference to the great flood of Noah's day in chapter 24, verse 38. And this passage goes hand in hand with what I want to talk about today, which is the love and the mercy of God. Because throughout the Bible, we, we, we read all about God's great love and mercy, but at the same time, we read about those divine commands to totally wipe out certain people groups and nations. Some of these include the complete annihilation of the Canaanites, the leveling of Sodom and Gomorrah, and, as Jesus makes reference to, the world-ending global flood, as well as the coming judgment of the entire world. So the ultimate question is, if God is truly loving and merciful, then how could he order such destruction? Although the Bible repeatedly declares that God is loving and merciful, there are several occasions where divine order is given to destroy, and in some cases to totally and utterly destroy, certain nations and cities. Numbered among these are the complete annihilation of the Canaanites, the leveling of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the world-ending global flood. In fact, God even destroyed his beloved Jerusalem and exiled his own people off into a foreign land. It is such egregious acts which have caused many to reject God as loving and merciful, viewing him instead as a deity who required appeasement and blood sacrifice to satisfy his capricious lust. However, this cynical view of the Almighty is completely ignorant and unfounded. For one thing, these critics want to separate the God who is merciful and loving from the God who is righteous and just. But these gods are one and the same. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 could not make this more clear. It first declares God to be merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, but goes on to say that he will by no means clear the guilty, even visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children. As Paul the Apostle put it, behold then the goodness and severity of God. To be sure, God is merciful and full of compassion and promises to save and have pity on anyone who repents and calls upon him. But God is also just, and therefore does not extend mercy to those who refuse to repent, but administers justice. And this fact relates to another problem with the critics' view of God. The reason God brought destruction on certain peoples was because they violently and steadfastly impeded or opposed his work over a long period of time. Indeed, in each and every case, God gave ample time and opportunity for the people to turn to him and live. For example, God waited many years before judging the world with a flood. In fact, he did not bring the watery cataclysm until all flesh had corrupted their way and violence had filled the whole earth. He even sent Noah as a preacher of righteousness, but they ignored the warnings and continued on with their everyday lives, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Similarly, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were so wicked that not even ten righteous could be found there. 
The outcry against them was very great. Yet God waited more than three centuries before destroying those cities, and he even sent them Lot, who according to the apostle Peter, was considered a righteous man. Even the Canaanites who committed many vile practices, including child sacrifice, sodomy, and bestiality, were given over 400 years of mercy and grace to turn from their wicked ways. And as the prostitute Rahab herself testified, her people knew who the God of Israel was. And the kingdoms of Israel and Judah were given roughly 750 and 900 years respectively, and were sent numerous warnings through many of God's prophets before the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Assyrians and Babylonians. Clearly, God is merciful and loving, as well as long-suffering, and desires everyone to turn from their wicked ways and live. Thanks, Ryan, for that report. That was excellent. Now, I have to tell you about something very important, and that is on October 21st, we're going to be live, and we're doing this the first time. It's the first time we've ever done this. In person. In, in person. person. In, in person event. Yes. And we have done live events, but not the, not, not like this. All of us are going to be there, including my son, who's behind that camera, and he's directing right now. And we're going to be there, and so we'd like to meet you at Faith Gospel Tabernacle in Brampton, Ontario. And so that's coming up on the 21st. We'll be there 1 till 5.30. We're going to speak. All of us are going to speak. It's going to be great. If you want to register, we want to encourage them because we need to know you're coming. So register at BibleDiscoveryTV.com uh, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com forward slash register and register. Let us know. You can call us as well, 519-940-8338. So let us know. We'll be there live. It'll be fun. Corey? All right. Well, I want to talk today about Roman crucifixion because, you know, the symbol of the cross today, uh, it's not what it used to be. Take a look. It's difficult for the modern reader of the Bible to fully understand many of the New Testament references to crucifixion. Today, crucifixion isn't primarily associated with the ancient practice, but rather with Jesus Christ. The cross has become an enduring symbol of Christianity. Crosses decorate churches, Bibles, and the necks of the devout. A close look at the cross's scriptural mentions, however, reveal its shocking history as the most culturally shameful element of Christianity. At its core, the message of Jesus crucified was, as Paul puts it, foolishness to those who are perishing, and that we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. What exactly is meant by this? Historian of religion Martin Hengel, in his work titled Crucifixion, masterfully overviews this ancient practice. He demonstrates that it was spread far and wide across time, distance, and cultures. Early on, it had associations with human sacrifice, but its primary usage was as a punishment for political and military purposes. It was used as a deterrent against rebellion and treason, with the condemned being crucified in the territories where they rebelled. In Rome, it was reserved only for slaves and the lowest classes, but a person could be stripped of their citizenship or freedman status and executed as a rebel slave. It was seen as the worst death imaginable because it stripped one of all honor, status, and dignity, and it involved the torture of victims prior to the physical crucifixion. Interestingly, crucifixion was prized by the powerful as a means of control. 
praised by the masses for its ability to bring security to Rome, for example, through ridding the seas of pirates, while at the same time becoming unmentionable to the civilized. It was so shameful as to be a taboo, a byword, an offense just to speak it. It's believed that most large Roman cities had a special place of crucifixion that always boasted the main support beams of crosses and torture devices, standing testament to the fate awaiting the rebellious. Imagine then the impact of Jesus' statement that his true followers must pick up their crosses and follow him. Powerful gods were not reduced to slavery and did not allow themselves to be ridiculed. This sentiment is illustrated in the famous graffiti of a crucified Jesus with a donkey's head. Jesus' crucifixion was an effective stumbling block to the Jews who believed Deuteronomy's curse to those hung on a tree. How could the Messiah be cursed? Nevertheless, this is exactly what Christianity asserts, that Jesus humbled himself, taking the very nature of a slave. He was obedient to death, even death on a cross. So there we go. For the rest of the week, like I said at the top of the show, we're going to be continuing to take a look at the end of Jesus's earthly ministry. So tomorrow we're going to be taking a look at Gethsemane and the Garden of Gethsemane. And then the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is coming up on Friday. So stay tuned for that. This is the first time we've ever recorded or ever talked about what's been recorded in the Gospels about the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. So this is Right, very for this important. year, yes. Exactly. Yeah. And so we need to keep that in mind. So make sure that you make time for us and tune in tomorrow. Janice. Yes, and, and once again, we really do want to welcome you to come to this event. You know, as Corey said a couple of days ago, uh, and when I've had the opportunity to meet some of you in person, um, we always say it's really not fair because you get to see us, but we don't get to see you. So if you're in Ontario or you live close by Ontario, we would love for you, uh, for you to come and see us on that day. All right. We know before is what I titled my segment here today. Chapter 24 of Matthew gives us the things that we will see as the signs of the times and the end of the age. Jesus tells us, see, I have told you beforehand. He tells us not to worry. He tells us what we should expect. And you know, I believe that we are seeing those things begin to unfold around us today. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but listen to this, but my words will by no means pass away. That's Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. That's one of the reasons, one of the reasons that we come to you every day of the week and encourage you to read your Bible. Not just to read your Bible, but to let it get into your heart so that it becomes a part of who you are. So that when you come upon circumstances, when you come upon somebody who starts quoting the Bible or begins to ask you questions, that you will know what is true and what is not. Because God doesn't do things in secret. He tells us, but we need to have that such a part of who we are, right? So we really do encourage you to get the word of God in your heart. So heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. 
Jesus tells us no one knows the day or the hour, but we know the signs. We know what's going to be coming up. And so we need to get that word inside of us. He says, um, it's going to be like the days of Noah. Do you remember that? So it says, but as in the, as that the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. We need to live to follow God. We don't need to live in fear of what's going on around us. We know that things can be very concerning and it can be very frightening. But as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, our security comes in him. Our trust is in God and he has told us what to watch for and what to see. Like in the days of Noah, things are going to be going on around us, but we still need to follow the Lord. Now, what do we do? The first and the greatest commandment, the disciples, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to him and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he told them, and you can read that in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. This is what we need to be doing in these days. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We need to be seeking after God. Did you hear that? With all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. We need to be reading his word. And the second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We need to be giving a hopeless world, people who don't know the Lord yet, we need to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be telling people what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And we need to be living that life. It's not rules and regulations. It is a way of life. It is choosing to give our life to the Lord Jesus and following him as his disciples. So Rod, I don't know if you want to lead us in a prayer. There may be some today that want to invite the Lord Jesus into their heart to follow him. Pray and say, Father, forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. Come into my heart and be my Lord. October 21st is a great day. We're going to be live at Faith Gospel Tabernacle in Brampton, Ontario, Canada. I want to invite you to come. I'm speaking, Janice is speaking, Corey's speaking, and Ryan is speaking. It'd be great to see you. It doesn't cost anything. Register. Go on site, BibleDiscoveryTV.com, and register today. Let's pray. Today, Lord, we pray for all of those who do not know you. Pray that they would come to know you right now. 